Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reaction Monday. Tell us all about it. Jump Foley caught at the 21-yard line. Xavier Legant with back-to-back catches. And he's got the game cocks inside the 25. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse, your local Honda superstore for motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, scooters, and generators. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Garyon Joyner in the backfield, but he wants to go to work. It goes down the field, left side, and it's going at the 35-yard line. And it's again running away for the second one of the night. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Xavier Leggett. Are you kidding me? Boom, 75 yards. Shocked the Bulldogs on the first play of the second half. The extra point will make it 27-17. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on Reaction Monday, Tyler Head, West Mitchell along with you. That, of course, was Ty Ellis on the call for the Gamecocks Radio Network. The bomb of a touchdown to start the second half from Spencer Rattler to Xavier Leggett to open up the lead to 27-17 to at that point. And again, South Carolina continued to control the game from there going on to the 37 37- 230 victory in West. We talked a lot about Spencer Rattler in that last hour and the great job that he did on Saturday night, going 18 of 20 for 288 yards, three touchdowns. But Xavier Leggett, man, coming into the season, we knew he was in for probably a pretty good season. I don't think we expected him to be the leading receiver in the nation through four games, 556 yards on the, a season, three total touchdowns, 189 yards, and two of those touchdowns coming on Saturday night against Mississippi State. I think anytime you hear about a guy and, you know, hey, he's had a great preseason. This guy's had a great summer. Um, He's done everything we've asked. You hear all those things. And then, you know, sometimes you get into the season and it it doesn't always translate. And then other times it does translate, but it's kind of exactly what you thought. Like, hey, he's a good number two receiver. I mean, coming into – let's – rewind all the way back to like January South Carolina's bringing in Eddie Lewis a transfer senior you're saying hey Juice Wells is going to start and then you've got these two other spots and you're probably saying Eddie Lewis or Marion Brown or Xavier Leggett like two of the two of those guys are going to fill out you know the other two spots but then the third will will kind of come off the bench maybe and then you know, I, I thought our first sign was kind of that A B and Leggett pretty much were just like, nah, man, like we're we're starting. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt like there was never a question. You know, if we're healthy, we're playing, we're starting. And but as far as could anybody predict he would go from being a, a guy who, you know, I think struggled a little bit with some confidence last year and 
you know, you had the two drops at, at SC State that immediately turned into interceptions. And just to take that and turn it into what we've seen, which I would love to know what the NFL scouts are, are thinking at this point. Because by my eyes, we're seeing, I mean, conservatively a top three round guy right now. Maybe higher? I don't I don't know. Like I I mean he's got the size. Mm-hmm. He's gonna run. Um you know, when I say he's gonna run he's gonna run a good time, he's gonna run what you're looking for. There really aren't gonna be any dings as far as like all the physical, measurable check mark stuff that they look at. Sure. And then I mean, the football speed itself, like that first play, he ran away from those guys. Yeah, like, it was just it was, a simple crossing route and he just turned on the Jets and went the rest of the way. What what was the reaction in the press box when he ran it? Like, was there like a, like there was a gasp around me and there's like, it, oh my, like. Yeah, pr- pretty similar because again, it, it's kind of one of those plays that, you know, going over the middle typically gets you, you know, when you're between 8 to 15 yards and he just, again, turned on that extra gear and just ran away from everybody. And again, we know how fast he is, but I think we were all still pleasantly surprised to see how that play turned out. Yeah, like we know how fast he is, but you still don't expect that explosiveness against a fellow SEC defense. You right. know, like maybe he runs away from Furman. You're you're impressed, sure. but you're like, okay, you know, uh, he's just a level above. He was a level above them as well. So, I, I mean, he's done it time after time. And what about the versatility of him as a receiver? Mm-hmm. We put some guys in a box. Oh, this is a jump ball receiver. Oh, this is a run after the catch receiver. He's, I mean, I don't know if he's missed a, a quote 50 50 ball yet. He's had multiple 50 50 ball catches. Then you throw in what he's done after the catch. They used him in the running game as yep. well. Um, though that though that technically counts as a pass because it was te- a well, forward, yeah. but yeah, the sweep's still a still a run play. That's a running play as far as. Everything except the official stats, sure. I feel like. Um, so, but it, it does help Rattler's numbers very oh, well. So absolutely, he finished with he finished five catches, one hundred eighty nine yards, two touchdowns. I mean, 30, 30, almost thirty eight yards per catch. And, and you know, you talked about this in, in the last hour. South Carolina was definitely very committed to getting the running game going, and there were several situations where Rattler checked into a running play on what would have normally been a pass. So, if they were more concerned with throwing the ball and you know Rattler had 30 attempts or 35 attempts like who knows what Leggett's numbers could have been at the end of the night yeah man and I I thought it it felt like to me we saw a lot of two high safeties from Mississippi State kind of almost daring South Carolina to run the football and then they they obviously did and I, I still I think there's progress there obviously but would you like to you know Anderson ran the ball 26 times 88 yards a touchdown, 3.4 yards per carry. You'd still like to see a little bit more. You'd like to break off one of those. Generally, your your rushing stats look good when you break off a run or two. You know, Mario Anderson's long was still nine yards. That was on the touchdown, the toss play. Mm-hmm. That was maybe one of the best plays of Which, the night. By the way, shout out to the old school toss sweep. Oh, hey, old school. George Rogers would be proud of that. I was going to say your boy Mike Bobo would be. <laughs> hey, he still runs it. Would be proud of that one, Tyler. But uh, that 
that was that was somewhat fitting. Sure. As much as they had tried to establish the run, that you finish it off. And you you know, you got solid initial blocking on that thing. The beautiful thing about that toss play is you got decent initial blocking, but then you had a little surge from Mario Anderson, so he keeps the play going. And then you're going, all right, everybody's got to just shove our guy in, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's nothing – there are very few things that get a crowd and an O-line and an offense more fired up than you got everybody just kind of rugby scrum, just slam my guy into the end zone. That had to be a pretty cool moment for an offense that has struggled to run the football and an offensive line that, let's be honest, has kind of taken the brunt of the criticism mm-hmm. about this team. And so that that was pretty special, and the, the crowd obviously loved it as well. Absolutely, and a good good to finally see some balance come to this offense, which you're definitely going to need going forward, especially when you talk about this next slate of games, where, by the way, as of right now, the latest AP poll, all three of your next uh, opponents are ranked, and you go on the road to Texas A&M after playing Missouri. So definitely a tough slate of games coming up. But, but kind of going back to Xavier to get and the receiving core, you know, you don't want to say that you have almost not noticed Juice Wells being out there, but this emergence of Xavier Leggett gives you so much confidence in what this pass game is right now. Whenever you get Juice Wells back 100% healthy, maybe by the Florida game coming off the bye week, you just talk about the dynamic of having both those guys on either side of the field. Like, I can only imagine how much better the pass game is going to be then. Well, I think throw in, can you continue to get just a little bit out of the running game? I think that's why it was so important for them to keep working on it on Saturday night because if you add Juice back in, Juice and Leggett, opposite sides, you're going to have to continue to see those two high safety looks or they're going to, you know, 17 and 3 are going to hammer you. Throw in Mm A.B. if you can get him healthy. I think the last couple of weeks will be big for for these other guys who have gotten PT. Omega Blake's been solid for you. Luke Doty's made some plays for you. Eddie Lewis has has actually been really good in the open field, I feel like. So you keep building depth at receiver, but certainly, you know, what what Juice Wells did for you last year, we can't forget that. And so you put 17 out there with Wells and then some semblance of a running game with Rattler continuing to play, I think that's where you're sort of saying, if you're looking at this season as, all right, these next, these next games – what are we down to eight games left now? Yep. If these these next eight games can go either way for the most part, I probably say you should beat Jacksonville State, you should beat Vanderbilt. Then the other six, you're just like toss up. You know, and, and some some of them are toss up, maybe a little skewed to South Carolina, but for the most part they're gonna be toss up but skewed. Like Tennessee's a ten point 11 point, depending on where you look favorite yeah. in this game. Um, Florida, they come to Columbia, but still. I mean, I think our opinions on Florida and Tennessee kind of flipped when they played each other last week and you saw what Florida could do running the ball. Now you do have a little bit more confidence coming away from Saturday night that South Carolina was able to stop Mississippi State's running attempt. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe you can kind of, con- you know, uh, um, um, well, the running that, that Florida is going to be able to do. And obviously, you do have concerns going into Tennessee this weekend with not being able to stop Mississippi State's passing attack, knowing that what Tennessee is going to do. But like you said, while South Carolina may not necessarily be favored in all these games going forward, they at least have a decent 
chance in every single one of them if they continue to play the way they've been playing. Yeah, and, and obviously Vegas doesn't quite overreact to games the way we all probably do. They, you know, they still they still have Tennessee as a double digit favorite this week. Florida, we'll. I I don't know if we should overreact to what Florida did to Tennessee. I think right now Florida's probably favored, probably against South Carolina. But being at home, it, it, I'd say it's probably somewhere between three and seven points. I think it's going to be tight. Yes. Um, Missouri all of a sudden sitting there number 23 in the country. 4-0, man. I, I keep waiting for them to trip up on somebody. They haven't done it yet. So, you know, I, I feel like all these games are kind of like attack them when they get there, even yeah. in terms of what the true expectations should be. Sure. But if you're South Carolina, it, it's going to, frankly, it's going to take continued progress from the running game. Right. And it's going to take, um, eventually, you hope you get Juice Wells back. And if you, but if you do that, I mean, Tyler, I think we would be sitting here talking about a historic South Carolina offense if they didn't have guys banged up the, the way they have. Definitely so. And uh, again, hopefully get those guys back soon. This offense can continue to improve and expand the numbers that they've already been able to put up. One of the big takeaways from Saturday night was a little bit more cohesion on the offensive line. Talk about that coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on Reaction Monday, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on a Reaction Monday, Tyler and Wes, along with you, reacting to the Gamecocks 37-30 win over Mississippi State on Saturday night. And one thing that we saw that we've been really waiting this entire season for is a little bit more cohesion on that offensive line. You only had six guys rotate in. The only spot that had multiple guys play at it on Saturday night was the right guard spot as Ja'Kai Moore was a little bit banged up. Trevon Ball getting a good amount of snaps there uh, at the right guard position. Now, if Moore was maybe fully healthy, you probably would have seen him at right tackle. They had Wanamaker slide back in over there. And overall, the uh, entire offensive line unit played really, really well and has certainly improved tremendously from where they were in week number one against North Carolina. Yeah, I think you probably just call it incremental progress and continuing to kind of just uh, battle as you go. And, you know, I, I think that's a position where cohesiveness – is such a big part uh, of success on the offensive line. And I, I I go all the way back to kind of the beginning of the year, preseason. They talked quite a bit about sense of urgency and wanting to be in a position to kind of have your offensive tackle settled. And, you know, we, we talked about left tackle and right tackle being up for grabs and kind of wondering who was going to step up and grab those two spots. It, it certainly felt like there was some confidence in case and Henry taking that right tackle spot and kind of running with it. And then, you know, you kind of said, well, all hands on deck for, for left tackle. And obviously case and Henry gets hurt at right tackle four snaps into the season on offense. And now, now both spots are kind of up for grabs again. I, I think you got to give a ton of credit to tree Babalade. He has helped to sort of solidify that left tackle spot. And, 
you know, are, are there going to be some growing pains there playing a freshman? Are there going to be some situations there where, you know, there, there are issues? Um, of course, but I, I think having a guy with the upside that Tree has and just saying, look, we're, we're going to just roll with this guy and let him learn as he goes. He will gradually get better. There's nothing better than experience. And if you're, if you're Tree, you've now faced Georgia at Georgia. Obviously, great atmosphere, number one team in the country, two-time defending champion. And now you, you've played in a great home atmosphere as well. You've played up, you know, you've played against a different front now. You've faced two different, completely different schemes, really. And so I, I think every snap, every game that a freshman like that plays, he's only going to get better. So you, you kind of lock down that spot. And so now if you're on the left side, Tree, Garjulo, and then Vershawn at center. Uh, those guys now know who's going to be beside them every game. Vershawn knows who's going to be to his left. It's going to be Garjulo every game. Garjulo knows who's going to be to his left and right. And Tree knows he's got a veteran from Yale to his right every single game. So I think that cohesiveness, that continuity plays up on the offensive line. You know, I, I remember several of those O-line groups under Spurrier that early on, you know, you even had walk-ons mixed in early on really struggled. And then you kind of saw the benefit as a season progressed of just playing the same five guys or playing most of the same five guys. And you, you just, you want to be making personnel wise more tweaks as opposed to wholesale changes. And I, I think that's where they are right now. Uh, you know, now I, I think, I think right tackle continues to be up for grabs. I think uh, you, your hope, if you're South Carolina, is that Troy Ball can kind of now take over that right guard spot, and then you just have several guys fighting it out for right tackle. So now you're kind of slowly sort of checking the boxes. Three of your five positions are locked down. If Ball can lock down right guard, now you can say four of your five positions are locked down, and then ultimately you hope, whether it's Ja'Kai Moore, who actually didn't you know, really play right tackle on Saturday, but can, Tyshawn Wanamaker, who played, I think, every snap at right tackle. You know, Obviously, you still have Sidney Fugar in the mix there. Jackson Hughes apparently is in the mix there now, too, according to Shane Beamer. But what you want to do is just let those guys gel together, come together. And I, I think by the middle of the year, you maybe just have your five and, and you stick with it and uh, and go from, you know, kind of go from there. But I really, going back to something we talked about in the first hour since I've been on, this to me felt, it, it felt like South Carolina had the big picture in mind with their game plan against Mississippi State. Could, could they have gone out there and thrown the ball 50 times and maybe put up more points than they did? I, I think there's a case to be made for that. But I, I think knowing the, the competition you have ahead, three straight top 25 teams, it doesn't it, – it gets a little bit easier, I feel like, than obviously facing Georgia on the road, but it doesn't get much easier. And knowing that all these games are winnable or losable – you are going to have to find a way 
to keep developing the running game. So I, I think South Carolina went into this game saying, yeah, Rattler could throw for 450 yards and we maybe even put up more points. But if we're going to – it is not sustainable to let Spencer Rattler get hit time after time after time and have no semblance of the running game. So I think they just went in and said, look, we're going to run the football and even if we're struggling to run the football, we're going to just keep pounding away and, and see what happens. And, you know, Tyler, to to get back to a guy specifically that we talked about a little bit in the first hour I was in, but maybe deserves a little more talk, Mario Anderson, mm-hmm. he's given you a little something additional at that running back spot that I think could be sustainable, and I think that South Carolina will try to build – on top of moving forward. Definitely so. And and you look, Mario Anderson's that's his natural position playing running back. Of course, he put up all those yards and touchdowns when he was at Newberry. So the fact that he's kind of emerged as the better, more natural running back through the first couple games makes a lot of sense. And that's no knocking to carry on Joiner. It's just not his natural position. Now he is better at pass protection, which was one of the key reasons why maybe Mario Anderson was not getting the uh, amount of touches uh, he maybe he should have gotten through those first couple of games to carry on Joyner is certainly going to play a role in the running back position going forward because his ability to catch things out of the backfield and make some plays that way but when you talk about running between the tackles and powering up the middle Mario Anderson's definitely your guy he has that bowling ball type of running back stature um, he after the game talked about some running backs that inspired him growing up Marshawn Lynch being one of them and you can definitely see those <laughs> similarities in the way that they run the ball and and yeah while the offensive line still coming along and certainly aren't opening up those gaping holes Mario Anderson being that bully type of running back can get you those two to three extra yards when you need them, and that stuff certainly adds up like it did on Saturday night. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It adds up. Typically, you hope, and, and you know, I, I thought Carolina actually ran the ball a little bit better in the first half, but you you kind of hope that your guy starts to break off a run or two in the second half once that defense sort of gets worn down as a game progresses. But we'll see if that can be the next step in the evolution of this running game. I, I think one negative, but also it's potentially a positive too because it's one of those things that there's still room for improvement. As good as he was, I actually thought he was like, nar- like he narrowly missed on several runs where you're saying he was one step away from from breaking off a much bigger... Like there were yards that were left on the field. There were a couple times where... I couldn't tell if he got tripped by linemen or if he just he himself tripped, but I, I thought there were more yards to be had, is my point. So he was grinding out and getting you some yards when they weren't there at times. But then on the flip side, there were some times where the line had blocked for yardage that uh he, he just didn't quite get. So I, I think that is another one of the next steps is can you can you break off a couple of these runs and and create some chunk plays? The longest run, still nine yards if you take out Spencer Rattler scrambles right. uh, you know, in this game. Definitely so. And again, a balanced offensive attack is definitely going to be key if you want to win some of these big games that are coming up against ranked teams over these next couple of weeks. There were certainly concerns on the defensive side, especially when it comes to the secondary, but hats off to the defensive front because they had quite a game on Saturday night. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday here on the game. So, I mean, uh, to, to start getting to the quarterback, we have to start the run first. So, I mean, um, when we're doing that and 
offense is scoring and defense stopping the run, we're going to put um, the other team in that position to really go get out to the quarterback. So um, stop the run first and go have some fun. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on a Reaction Monday, Tyler and Wes, along with you, Chris, will rejoin us a little bit later on in the week. That was the voice of Jordan Strawn talking after the game on Saturday about the improvements that he's seen from the defense through these first couple of games. And Strawn himself had a good game on Saturday night with uh, one sack, three tackles for losses, and including that forced fumble uh, late there in the second half of the game. The defensive front as a whole played really well, had a good game out of Boogie. Tonka Hemingway in there for some pass deflections as well, like for a, a unit that, again, going back to that North Carolina game, seemed to you know, get bullied off the ball every single snap. They've made great improvements, and, and you like what you're seeing as you start heading into the thick of SEC play over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I thought Strawn looked like his old self. Honestly, you know, you, you know, we talked earlier about the strip sack that created a fumble. Obviously, just dipping his shoulder, getting around the edge, using his length, using his explosiveness. And he's kind of quietly, I think, played pretty well this year. The PFF grades back that up, too. But I, I think you've started to see a little bit more of that game-breaking ability from him that made him actually one of the top sackers in the country when he was at Georgia State, uh, led most of the country – or led the country for most of that year. And, you know, I, I think this entire defensive front, T.J. Sanders, I mean, I, I think we are seeing him develop into – being a difference maker up front that I mentioned earlier that I was listening to Cole Kubik's podcast on the way in and you know Cole's Cole's a big ugly he he watches the the lines of scrimmage former offensive lineman and you know he was kind of saying TJ is emerging as maybe a little bit more of a household name uh, you know among people who really pay attention in the SEC so uh, I think you have three guys there Boogie making plays Tonka making plays TJ Sanders Jordan Strong. I thought JT Gear and his limited snaps, you know, I think he's still dealing with it with that injury. Kind of kind of got re um aggravated there a little bit, it sounded like going in, but he he's a difference maker. If they can ever get him back a hundred percent, then he can make some plays for you too. So I, I think stock up on the defensive front. You'd like to see a little bit more pressure on, you know, Rodgers consistently in the game they got a good bit of pressure late and uh definitely played very well against the run and i you know what let's let's add in the backers to this i thought let, let's give credit to stone blanton there you know he had his detractors after the georgia game mm-hmm. you know I, I didn't think uga was his best game ever I, I thought stone played really well on saturday against mississippi state and textbook punch out on that forced fumble that South Carolina very nearly was able to recover. They they couldn't quite that that would have been a game changing play there as well. And something encouraging from the linebacker spot, just looking at the snap counts that uh, Chris put up on Gamecock Central a little bit earlier, you finally were able to get Debo and Stone a fair amount of rest. Debo Williams mm-hmm. playing 57 snaps, Snow playing 52, Pup Howard getting in for 19, and Bam Martin Scott getting in for 15. That's been the concern at that linebacker spot is getting enough rotation in there to where you're not killing a guy like Debo playing 80 snaps a game. So you saw a fair amount of that on Saturday night, which again is going to benefit you going forward. I think that's a night. I think that's a good sort of balance to playing your best and, and like keeping them on the field versus playing them every single snap. And 
some of that is going to be just game dependent, you know, and I, I think the way South Carolina ran the football a little bit more and stayed on the field a little bit more, although you did have some big splash plays too, that allowed your defense some just natural rest that probably wasn't there against Georgia. But, you know, just playing, in Debo's case, 57 snaps instead of what would have been like 75 I think or it was, so. I think it was 72 total. 72 total. I mean, that's uh, just that little extra rest. Or, Tyler, I would even say just having the option to have that rest. Like, um, it, it doesn't even have to be built in. It can just be, hey, I'm a little bit winded. Sure. Let's feel comfortable right. going to the next guy that he's going to be just fine. I, I think Bam Martin Scott was probably still just dealing with being a little bit dinged up early sure. on. You're seeing him come along. They actually – one thing I noticed, they – seem to like Bam Martin Scott in coverage quite a bit. When they if you watched on third down on passing situations, you see num- you see them get number twenty two in at, at linebacker. So he is more of the space guy there, I think. And then Pup, you know, he's a freshman. He's gonna continue to come along. But uh those guys, you know, Pup playing nineteen snaps, Bam Martin Scott playing fifteen snaps, that's um, you know, kind of that's just enough time for for those guys to kind of catch their breath when needed. And, of course, the secondary didn't look great on Saturday night. Will Rogers going for 487. Of course, we know to Lou Griffin putting up an ungodly amount of yards, especially in that first half. Um, didn't do quite as much in that second half there, but that's something that definitely needs to improve, especially as you look at a Tennessee team this weekend that you know was going to attack that secondary with a guy like Joe Milton, who obviously loves to throw the ball, and that Josh Hypelov offense, which we saw up close and personal last year when Tennessee did come into williams Bryce Stadium. So definitely concern, some concern there, and you're, you're definitely missing your two now NFL corners in Cam Smith and Darius Rush, but that's something that certainly needs some improvement uh, as we get through these next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I, I do think, there's a lot on film that they'll be able to kind of go back into and correct. Like, I don't think these are just uncorrectable mistakes. Like, I think there's a lot that can be shored up there. And I don't have the exact targets in front of me, but, you know, a good, a good bit of, of what they were able to exploit was more nickel slash safety, I feel like. So it, it felt to me like Marcellus Dow held up for the most part. They... You know, they they got him, I think, on one of the PIs there at one point where he got a little handsy. But, you know, I, I think for the most part, your corners have played okay. OD Fortune, he was banged up. Judge Collier continues to come on as a true freshman. Not a highly recruited guy. This was a camp evaluation, camp offer situation. He's come along. He's kind of your third corner right now. So, I, I think – but, you know, corners have been fine. This is – this is not quite the Tennessee passing attack mm-hmm. we saw last year. Like, the receivers aren't quite as good, and you, Joe Milton has just not been as consistently accurate, in my opinion, as Hendon Hooker was last year. So they got a lot to clean up, but I, I think they're going to be fine going into this week. We'll see if they can make progress with that being clearly a huge focus. Torian Gray, man, this guy is – I mean, I – I can't say enough good things about him. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best in the entire business at getting his secondary ready. So I, I think those guys will be challenged this week to take a step forward. And I just generally when when you look at a group that's talented like they are, that has a bad game, you see a bounce back week. Yep. And I, I think we'll see a good bit of that going into to Tennessee. Uh, quickly here, just wanted to note on this, we still have not seen that 
I'd say, perfect special teams game out of South Carolina just yet this season. You obviously had the missed two-point conversion there that South Carolina tried uh, in the in the first half on Saturday when Akai Kroger's prunts was a bit of a knuckleball. Like For the standard of, of South Carolina special teams, I don't think they've quite lived up to it through the first four games and, and obviously haven't run too many fakes or anything like that. But from, from South Carolina's standpoint, not where you want to be necessarily with special teams through four weeks. I think it shows you how high the expectations are there. And, you know, Pete Limbo talked about it last week that he, the way he said it is they hoped by this point in the year that you're on DEF instead of doing your ABCs. Mm-hmm. And so they've had to go back and kind of maybe reteach a little bit. He did, he did sort of warn us look, I got a lot of new faces on special teams, whether that is because my guys like, uh, you know, Jalen Brooks, Darius Rush, you know, I think Cam Smith's involved on special teams last year. Several guys that were very good on special teams have moved on. On the other hand, you have several guys that were on all these special teams units last year, and now they're they're starting. So you have to be a little bit more, not quite as heavy-handed about where you're going to use them on your special teams unit. So there's a lot of turnover on special teams as well. And... One thing Limbo was just quite honest about, too, he said, hey, I need my my regulars, my returners, my guys we're counting on to be a little bit better as well. So Limbo, a very positive guy, but a very honest guy as well. I thought he gave a, a, a very honest assessment last week. This this group will keep getting better because they have the best special teams coordinator in the country who's um, you know, coaching them along, bringing them along. But yeah, certainly for the expectations we have for them, even the you know the penalty at the end of the half that lets Mississippi State go ahead and uh, and kick another field goal was um, potentially could have been costly, even though I thought it was a ticky tack call. Absolutely, it was a good Saturday night. Of obviously from the standpoint of South Carolina getting the win, you also had Alshon Jeffrey getting his jersey retired, and overall a great atmosphere in Williams Bryce Stadium. We'll talk about that. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday here on The Game. It's Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday. Tyler and Wes along with you. Recapping South Carolina's 37-30 win over Mississippi State on Saturday night to improve to 2-2 two and two on the season. One thing that did not happen on Saturday night was a special teams touchdown, which means the lawyer Lisa special teams touchdown contest rolls over to another week. The pot up to $500 as the Gamecocks head into Neyland Stadium on Saturday night. If they can get a special teams touchdown on Saturday night, Somebody will win $500 come Monday morning when Bill and Preston announce a winner live on the air on the early game. Head on over to 1075game.com this week to register once again. You do have to register each and every week. Don't miss your chance in the Lawyer Lisa Special Teams Touchdown Contest. Obviously, the win was huge on Saturday night. Very cool moment at halftime with uh, Alshon Jeffrey getting his jersey retired. I, I, 
I'd never seen Alshon Jeffrey in person. Um, he's every bit of the size and stature that he's <laughs> built to be a, a massive, massive human being, and very cool to see him uh, get his recognition at at Williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, it was well deserved, and I mean, this dude was everything he was built to be, and more at, at South Carolina from the moment that he sort of broke out against Kentucky his freshman year. He, uh, I mean, the, the thing about Steve Spurrier. If you if you showed you could go make plays, he was going to feed you. And Spurrier would go after him time after time. Everybody in the stadium knew they were going to try to get the ball to one. And, you know, it, it didn't matter. Even when he was covered, he wasn't covered because he'd use those big hands and that wide body to go up there and make plays. And so Alshon, very cool moment to see his, uh, his name and number lit up on the press box officially. And uh, so, yeah, shouts to him. Congrats to him. I mean, just very, very well deserved. And as expected, with it being the first SEC home game of the season, a great atmosphere at williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday night. I've seen a lot of tweets from various people in the Mississippi State fan base, and everything that I've seen, all of them overwhelmingly positive about Mississippi State getting to come into williams Bryce Stadium, which, again, it's not something we, we get as often anymore with how the schedules have changed over the past Ten years, but Mississippi State fans seemingly having nothing but great things to say about their experience in Willie B on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I was looking this this left field lounger, Mississippi State, pretty sizable Mississippi State account, apparently uh, that that goes around and has been to several different SEC stadiums and environments. Very impressed with Williams Bryce Stadium going as far. You know, South Carolina fans, may, maybe. Give a little credit to the administration for continuing to tweak the in-game experience because you're starting to see opponents come in. Mississippi State obviously hasn't been here in forever. Mm-hmm. And they're going as far as saying, hey, Mississippi State administration, we need to copy some of this stuff. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool. This, again, left field lounger account on Twitter saying the experience at williams Price was unlike any other Almost felt like a party rather than a football game. The Depart- Athletic Department of South Carolina has done a fantastic job of making a trip to a game worthwhile. You can't get an experience like that from the couch. That's something South Carolina's talked about a ton. Mm-hmm. Making a reason for you to get away from your 60-inch TV that you got from Integrated Media and go to the actual stadium. Um, between Continuing the quote here, between the pregame performance, Sandstorm, Light Show, it was hard to beat. The Carolina faithful creates a hostile environment and interesting that they use that terminology one of the recruits i talked to yesterday desmond green 2026 offensive lineman from timberland said quote it was like a party with a football game in the middle of it i thought that was one of the better recruit reactions i've maybe ever heard and yeah that that is kind of how it felt it was like yeah there's a football game going on but uh lots of sort of entertainment value all the way around right and Packed house again, once again, a true sellout. Yep. I always talk about the difference between a sellout and a true sellout. I mean, that that place was packed and rocking on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, now that was my second game at Williams Bryce Stadium, but I feel like it. In my opinion, it's kind of like football game meets rave, especially mm-hmm. when you have sandstorm going on. But yeah, electric crowd. All night, Saturday night, certainly stayed engaged in the game. And I'll say this, you know, Mississippi State, it's one of the fan bases I got the opportunity to uh, engage with at Georgia a couple years ago when they came to town back in 2017. One of the more nicer 
I'd say level-headed fan bases in the SEC because, of course, you have your Alabamas and LSUs, some some extreme fans on that side. But I feel like uh, Mississippi State, definitely a a good level-headed fan base. Uh, I didn't see any problems out of them coming in here on Saturday night, and it was great to see that they had a a good time uh, in Willie B despite uh, falling a little bit short to the Gamecocks on Saturday night. I thought they traveled pretty well, man. To it be, like it. you know, to be obviously that that's a long trip. Nobody really has high expectations for that Mississippi State football team right now. Sure, obviously there's certainly a number of you know, hey, my my kid plays on the team, so I'm going to travel. You're going to get that, but I, I thought they had a good group just walking around, looking at the tailgates and stuff. Lots of people there, solid crowd from them, and, and yeah, they're not. They, they don't really have the reputation of being a fan base that. Um, is going to cause a lot of problems either. So uh, all the way around, I thought a good atmosphere, good game. I feel like the Cowbills kind of give them a bad rap at home because those things can be obnoxious, which obviously you're not allowed to take those on the road. I think in all SEC stadiums now, those are banned outside of their home venue. So outside of that, like I don't think they're really obnoxious. No, they're not. Um, Real quick, Tyler. Yeah. Completely non-Gamecock related. Oh, boy. No, are you... Interested in the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey storyline <laughs> or not interested whatsoever? Uh, I'm interested not as much as our buddy Colin Taylor, which we are definitely going to talk about that because me and him are going to be together for the next three hours doing the halftime show. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm teeing y'all up then. Yeah, I'm yeah, setting I, it up for y'all. I, I'm more intrigued by it than anything else. I mean, hey, props to Travis Kelsey. Shoot your shot, man. He seems to have gotten it. So um, I think he's living the dream of a lot of guys out there. Um, now, I'm interested to see what the breakup album is going to look like in a couple of years when they inevitably break up because that seems to always be the case. But, hey, hats off to Travis Kelsey. What a baller. Yeah, the uh, the fact it's kind of played out so publicly is, but, first of all, it's a little bit just strange. Sure. Like, um, cameras, that's got, I know you're a celebrity. Yeah. You're, you're used to it, but good grief. That's got to be... It's got to be exhausting. Well, the funny thing to me, and these rumors have been circulating for a while, but like to see her actually in the stadium yesterday, like, wow, this is really happening. Like she's sitting next to his mom in the press box. She's into the game. She's going crazy when he scores the touchdown. Like, wow, this is this is really a thing. That's crazy. Well, cl- clearly, I believe you can safely say it had gone a little bit further sure. than we knew because uh, the public stuff is all, you know, he's – they want to hang out, right? Um, They're doing more than hanging out. If she's if she's at the game with his mom, then clearly, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they're dating or not, but it's uh, clearly it's a story. But the great part is Travis Kelsey shooting his shot hey. publicly, and uh, good for him. You miss one hundred percent of the shots you never take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Fire All Subs. Halftime show with myself and Colin Taylor coming up as Reaction Monday rolls along. You're on the game.